following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. It is God's plan for us 
to be made holy. For every one of us to participate, to partake of the holiness of God. Now, into the life of every true follower of Jesus will come times of intense discipline, trials, things that cause us pain and anguish of heart. If we allow ourselves to be trained by this painful trial, it will give back to us the perfect fruit of innocence. But if we reject those painful trials and in bitterness and anger or in self-righteousness make judgments about those circumstances and about the people involved, we will not be trained and we will end up losing the kingdom of heaven. In the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the command is, in verse 12, strengthen the hands that have been weak. In every trial that I have been forced to endure, my first inclination, my first response is weak-handedness. How can I possibly deal with what's happening in these circumstances? How can I handle the financial difficulty? How can I handle the emotional difficulty? How can I deal with Jesus over this very painful situation that has come into my life? His command is, strengthen your hands. Secondly, strengthen your knees. In other words, don't buckle under the pressure. Don't give way. And then it says, and you must make straight paths for your feet. In other words, as the pressure comes upon you, as the catastrophic circumstances face you, strengthen your hands. Strengthen your knees. And then to begin to make a straight path toward Jesus. And you do this so that the lame may not be turned aside, but rather healed. In other words, the way I respond to a difficult situation will have a tremendous impact on those around me. Those who look to me those who respect me. And when under those circumstances my knees buckle, the lame are hurt. If I instead strengthen my hands and strengthen my knees and I begin to walk in forgiveness, I begin to walk with integrity before God, not becoming critical or judgmental, then those who are also impacted will be healed. Now he moves to verse 14. You must pursue peace with all men 
especially the ones you don't want to pursue peace with. And you must also pursue holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Now we need to stop here a moment. This is Hebrews, the 12th chapter. He's saying, pursue peace as you strengthen your knees and you strengthen your hands and you begin to walk according to the command of Jesus. Then he says, pursue holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Now, many, many say, I am following Jesus. And when Jesus was here on the earth, many men followed after him. Thousands followed after him. But finally, Jesus, after providing the loaves and the fishes to the crowd, turns to the people in John, the sixth chapter, verse 53, And he said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and may drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. The one eating my flesh and drinking my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is truly food, and my blood is truly drink." The one eating my flesh and drinking my blood remains in union with me, and I in union with him. Now, as you read this, what is he saying? He's not speaking of cannibalism. No, he's speaking spiritually. Jesus is saying that he must become the total source of your spiritual life and your physical life. In other words, he's saying to his followers, you must begin to consume me spiritually. You will no longer consume the things of the world you won't consume the opera or the movies or the sports. You will consume the flesh of Jesus Christ. You will not drain away the energy and the earnestness of heart to be made holy. Now, in verse 60... Many from among his disciples, after having heard this, said, This word is hard. Who is able to hear? And the disciples are grumbling about this. And he said to them, Does this cause you to fall away? What then if you may observe the Son of Man going up where he was before? The Spirit is the one making alive. The flesh does not profit anything. The rhemas, the breathed word of God that I speak to you, are spirit and they are life. And then many ceased to follow him. They walked away. Why did they walk away? 
because they wanted to be disciples of Jesus and be able to go home at night to their comfortable house. They wanted to consume the things of the world and add a little Jesus to that already full schedule and diet. They did not want just Jesus. They wanted Jesus to be the seasoning on top of the feast of the world. And Jesus never consented to be the seasoning on the worldly life. And so now he makes in Hebrews this astonishing claim that if you are not holy, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what is holiness? Absolute, total abandonment of your life to the Holy Spirit. It is one thing to seek Jesus. It is now another thing to seek holiness in Jesus. I'm seeking the full holiness of Jesus. And I know that holiness does not come by white-knuckling it or trying hard. I know that holiness is surrender and repentance before Jesus Christ. That holiness comes as the discipline of the Spirit, prescriptive discipline, comes upon me. And the agony, the painful struggle to determine whether or not I will turn aside, my knees will buckle, my hands will fall to my side lifeless, and I'll go on crooked paths, and I will leave Jesus. Oh, I won't leave religion. I won't leave necessarily my beliefs. I'll simply stop pursuing holiness. Stop pursuing that total abandonment to Jesus. Now, he continues, See to it, lest anyone falling from the grace of God, that is, see to it that anyone who chooses not to feast just on Jesus, but to turn away and feast on the television, to feast on the things of the world, to feast on their own pride, to feast on their own righteousness. Anyone who falls from that grace of God needs to be very careful because with that falling away will come a root of bitterness growing up inside of you that will cause trouble and defile many other people, not just you. And so he says, be very careful lest anyone be a fornicator or a godless person like Esau, who in exchange for one meal sold his birthright. For you must know that even afterward, desiring to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place of repentance, although having sought it with tears. Verse 
So Esau could not find repentance because he was unwilling to seek holiness. He wanted what he wanted, and he thought he could gain what he desired in a quid pro quo relationship where I will give you this and you give me that. And God will not play that game. And we find the story in Genesis, the 27th chapter. Isaac is old. His eyes are weak. He's almost blind. He calls Esau, his eldest son, and he says to him, My son, I'm now an old man, and I don't know the day of my death. Now, get your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go to the open country. Hunt some wild game. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like, and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, the problem is, God had said that blessing would not belong to Esau, It belonged to Jacob. So now it appears that God's word will be thwarted, that God's word will be proven untrue, that Esau will receive the blessing of God. Well, what are they to do? Mama's got an answer to that. Rebecca calls her son and says, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock, bring me two choice young goats. I will prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat, that he may give you his blessing before he dies. And Jacob says to Rebekah, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him, and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. But his mother has all the answers. She says, Don't worry. Let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. Okay. Jacob refused to pursue holiness. This is the issue. He would not abandon himself to the God of heaven. Instead, he abandoned himself to the advice of his mother in order to gain what he desired to gain. So he was in the management of his own life. Do you understand? You cannot have holiness with God and manage your own life. That is an oxymoron. It is an opposite. You cannot walk in the dark and walk in the light at the same time. It's either dark or it's light. Light and darkness don't mix. Light destroys darkness. Jacob is now faced with, 
I know God said this. I know my father's going to give it to my brother. Now, how do I manage this situation? And Mama has the answer. And he's willing to go along with Mama. He does not say to Mama, but God promised it to me, and surely God will stop this blessing, and he will give the blessing to me because he said he would. He doesn't take that position. Instead, he moves into action. He does not pursue peace. He does not pursue holiness. He pursues managing his own life through his mama. The food is prepared. He takes it in before his father. His father says, who are, who are you? Who is it? He said, I am Esau, your firstborn. Do the ends justify the means? No, 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 no. How can they? Is God in charge of your life or are you in charge of your life? Now, after all, what Jacob wanted was only what God had promised. Mama wanted Jacob to have what God had promised her. Is that wrong? No, that's not wrong. We have a right to ask God to give us what he's promised. The question is, what are we willing to do to get what we want? Will we sin against God to get what we want? Now, many of you listening to this broadcast, if I could speak with you one-on-one, -on -one, and if I were to say to you, please tell me, is there anything in your heart that is in rebellion against God? Many of you would say, yes. Yes, I have issues in my life, and I'm working on them. You're playing a Jacob and Rebecca. You're managing your own life and your own sin. And you think you can squeak out of your sin somehow when you die. You will not be able to. If you do not have holiness when you die, you will not gain holiness. Holiness is only to be gained in this life. And it is to be gained in only one way. To make a straight path. Well, pastor, how do I make a straight path? You make a very conscious decision that you will pursue holiness with all of your heart. And you will leave behind all sin and rebellion. This is not a decision that takes a long time to make. This is a very quick decision but you can stretch it out and risk salvation all of your life and come to the end and be found short and be cast into hell. The disciples who were following Jesus said, this is a hard saying. How can I just, how can I just entirely give myself with absolute surrender to Jesus Christ? How can I do that? I can't. 
so they stopped following Jesus. What I'm talking about today is a decision. Will you lie and cheat and steal as you go through this life and all the time say, I'll have the blessing of God? No, you will not have the blessing of God and you will not have holiness. Holiness does not come by hard work. Holiness comes as we choose to repent before God and give up total and absolute control of our life into his hands in the most minute detail. Jesus said in John 15, verse 5, that you can do nothing unless you remain in Jesus. Nothing of eternal value can be done by our flesh. Can't be done. This is a supernatural work of grace that God will do in our hearts as we make the decision to stop lying and stop cheating and stop going after what we want, even though it may be something like Jacob going after the blessing that God had promised him. But God must take over the management of your life totally and completely, and you must cut off everything of darkness by going to Jesus and renouncing those things and asking him to cause you to be made holy. Then self dies. Self is moved out of the picture. Again, this is a supernatural work of grace. God will do it in your heart. But if, like Jacob, you lie to get the blessing, and the blessing was worth receiving, his father kissed him, caught the scent of the clothes from Esau. He was wearing Esau's clothing and he was calling himself Esau. He was managing his father. Who or what are you trying to manage? And what would happen if you stop keeping all of those plates in the air and you let them all crash and you said, from this moment forward, I give myself entirely and completely to the control and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will receive from his hand only what he chooses to give me. I will not reach out and grab anything for myself. I can't tell you the pain of my heart as I have spoken with men and women many times through the years who decide that they are going to follow Jesus, but they're going to follow Jesus their way. They're going to follow Jesus with the culture they choose. 
They are going to reject what is uncomfortable for them, and they are going to reject what they don't understand, and they are going to be independent. And they are led into complete and utter darkness because they did not make straight paths for their feet, their weak hands, their weak knees, caused a root of bitterness to grow up in many other hearts, and they harmed many because they would not give themselves completely, absolutely into the hands of Jesus. They thought they had to continue to maintain control, control of their circumstances, control of what their family was doing, control of what their husband was doing, control of what their wife was up to. They had to control, control, judge, judge, control, and judge. So always a critical word. Rage and anger and fighting, separation and distance, cutting off. Oh, are they Christian? Of course they're Christian. They love Jesus. They just have no holiness. They have no holiness. And so we find this wonderful blessing is given to Jacob that he steals that was his to have he could have had it given to him by the mighty God of heaven God would have intervened in this situation the will of God would have been accomplished but no he's going to manage his own circumstances I'm not going to do that I'm going to go here I'm going to do this I'm going to say that managing his own circumstances. And so he receives the blessing. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed. And may those who bless you be blessed. And you recognize this is truly the blessing on the Jewish people. But it was a stolen blessing. And Esau's descendants have never forgiven the Jews for stealing that blessing. I saw the tremendous difference in this blessing as I was recently in Israel and we drove out of one section of Jerusalem that was Jewish and we drove into another section that was Arab Muslim it was a day and night difference when you read the blessing that Abraham or the blessing that that Isaac gave to Esau. He said, your dwelling will be away from earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke off your neck. And that's what the Palestinians have done. 
It's still going on today. The war is on. Iran, Iraq. Iran is more Persian, but it's Muslim. But you see the struggle is still going on. And the poverty, when you drive through portions of Jerusalem, the poverty is incredible. The houses are run down. The streets are garbage and dirt. But on the Jewish side, prosperity, blessing, rich blessing. They make the desert blossom. The blessing is still there, but it was a stolen blessing. What was the consequence? Well, the consequence, Esau says, I'm going to kill you, brother. And Mama has to step in and again manage the situation. So she convinces Daddy to send Jacob off to Brother Laban, or Cousin Laban. But hear this. When Abraham sent the servant to get Isaac's wife, he sent the bride price and it was a very high and fine bride price. But Isaac, in his rage against Jacob, blesses him and sends him off to Uncle Laban's house without the bride price. And so he arrives, he falls in love with Rachel, and he spends the next seven years earning the bride price. Then he is deceived, and he has to work another seven years, 14 years of labor to gain his bride. Uncle Laban is a bitter taskmaster. When we refuse to walk on straight paths, and we create a bitter root to grow up and defile many. When we make the lame stumble, there's going to be a price to pay. There's going to be Uncle Laban in the wings. I've walked under the lash of Uncle Laban. I understand what happens when a man or woman begins to manage his own life. When I do what I think is right, not what God thinks is right, it's heartbreaking, it's painful. And that's where Hebrews, the 12th chapter, comes. It is prescriptive discipline that God brings into Jacob's life. It is prescriptive discipline that God will bring into your life if you are still trying to manage your situation and you refuse to submit to the living God of heaven. 
Oh, you may get the blessing of God on your life, but it will come at a very high price working for Uncle Laban. Believe me, that's a high price. Now, as he is leaving under the threat of being murdered by God because of his sin, God has mercy on him. I'm very grateful for the Lord's mercy. He lays down. He doesn't even have a camel with him. He doesn't have a a camping outfit that he's loaded on the back of a donkey. He's just walking, carrying everything he has. And so he stops for the night when the sun sets. He's out in in the desert. And he takes a stone and he puts it under his head and probably puts some cloth over it and lays down and immediately he's asleep and he has a dream. And he sees a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God are ascending and descending on it. We know from the New Testament that that stairway to heaven is Jesus Christ. And there stood the Lord. And said, I'm the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done everything I promised you. Jacob is immediately awake. And he says, surely the Lord is in this place. I was not aware of it. How awesome is this place? This is the gate of heaven. Well, he goes back to sleep. And the next morning, he makes a vow to God. If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey that I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I may return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. Really? You're going to do a bargain with God? You're going to tell God if you will give me my clothes to wear and my food to eat, then you will be my God? And and you know what else, God? If you're going to do all this wonderful stuff for me, I'll give you 10% of my money. Really? You think God wants your 10% when he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, when he owns the whole earth? But Jacob has the heart of every man, wheeling and dealing, bargaining, managing his own life. God has spoken the absolute word over his life, but in his puny little way, he has to step into it and mess it up by trying to make a deal with God. 
please hear me. You cannot make a deal with God. God has offered you the gift of holiness, the gift of righteousness. Now, you can struggle the rest of your life to try to gain a little partly bit of righteousness and holiness. And you will never see the kingdom of heaven. You will be one of the foolish virgins that he will say to you, Depart from me. I don't know who you are. You cannot manage your own salvation. You cannot manage your own affairs, even to and including the clothing you will wear and the food you will eat. You cannot make a religious bargain with God that's going to take you all the way into that celestial city at the end of the narrow path. So again, I say to you, you have to make a decision. Will you immediately today leave your sin? Will you today make a decision to leave your sin? Will you repent today for all of the sin in your heart? And what is sin? Lawlessness. Being in charge of your own life is the very essence of sin. Satan wanted to lift himself up and sit on a throne to be like God. He told Adam and Eve, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God's. You will determine what is right and what is wrong. You be in charge of your life. God is withholding from you. Will you make a decision today, right now, to seek holiness with all of your heart, to leave your sin, to give God full authority over your life? Will you pray that right now? Will you bow your head right now and say, Jesus, I renounce my sin. I cut it off in your name. And I give you full and absolute control over my life. <clears throat> I'm not going to be in charge anymore. You be in charge, Jesus. And I will receive from your hand only what you choose to give me. That means I'm, I'm not going to look for another job until Jesus opens the way for me. I'm not going to cut someone off until Jesus tells me to depart from them. I'm not going to be in charge of paying for my own rent or mortgage. I'm not going to be in charge in a way that gives me the right to be bitter and angry 
I am not going to turn away from Jesus. I am going to seek his face with all of my heart. And I am making a decision today that I will seek holiness. Because without it, no one will see the Lord. Now, Jacob went through some very difficult times. But finally, after some years, he's able to begin building his own herd at the command of God. And then he makes the decision that he's being told by God. And he allows God to manage this. He's going to go home. God came and told him to go home. But he did not go to Laban and boldly tell him, the word of the Lord to me is that I am to return home. Do I have your blessing? Instead, he snuck away. Now again, this opened the door for destruction. And I have also been guilty of taking actions and not sharing with others what I'm doing and ending up with catastrophic results. The Lord does not want me to be independent. He wants me to depend upon Him and to obey His word to me. When he tells me to speed up, I'm to speed up. When he tells me to slow down, I'm to slow down. He is the manager in charge of my life. And in those times when I have taken into my own hands my life, I've caused carnage. I have hurt the lame. I have hurt the weak. We are not unlike Jacob, are we? Now Laban pursues him, but it's not Laban he needs to fear. As he goes on his way toward home, we find in Genesis, the 32nd chapter, that he is met by the angels of God. And he says, this is a place where there are two camps. There's the camp of God and there's my camp. So Jacob sends messages to Esau saying, I'm coming home. I've been staying with, with Laban. I have cattle and donkeys and sheep and goats. And he tells them everything he has so that Laban will not think he's coming to take something of daddy's. Now the message comes back that Esau has responded by saying, let's go meet him, and he's taking 400 men armed. Jacob is in great fear, 
exceeding distress. When you think everything you have is about to be destroyed, great fear rises in your heart. And in that fear, Jacob prays. O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you've shown your servant. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid he will come and attack me and the mothers and their children. But you've said, I will surely make you prosper and make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. So now he sees the circumstances and he he hears the word of God. So now he decides he has to manage the situation again. Wow, will he ever learn? Stop managing your circumstances. <laughs> Amazing. So that night, Jacob sends his family across the Jabbok and all that he has. And he's there left alone. And now the one he really has to deal with comes. A man grabs him. They begin to fight. And there is a brutal knockdown battle that lasts all night. And finally, as the dawn begins to come, Jacob is still struggling, still fighting, filthy dirty, exhausted. And the man reaches out and touches his hip. And Jacob knows he's fighting with God. Until we can recognize that we cannot win with God except by submitting to his will and allowing him to manage our circumstances, we will never be holy before the Lord God of heaven. In that place, he is blessed by God and he is called Israel, overcomer. He is an overcomer because he now limps. He is submitted to the God of heaven and now he wants God to manage every part of his life. Will you leave your sin today? Will you turn to the mighty God of heaven and allow him to manage your life? And will you seek holiness with all of your heart? Will you decide today you will leave your sin? It's that easy and that hard. Don't pretend you can't leave your sin. The power of Jesus is here right now for you to stop sinning against him. What does your heart say? Well, we're out of time for this broadcast. I'm so grateful that you've listened to the broadcast today. I pray that the Holy Spirit will convict your heart and cause you to decide to seek holiness. That you might see the Lord in the end. Now, I ask you, please... At the prompting of the Holy Spirit, would you give to help sustain this broadcast on the air? You can give 
by going to the nationalprayerchapel.com. nationalprayerchapel.com. There's a donate button you can give via PayPal with your credit card, or you can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. Let me give you that address again, and I can't thank you enough, brothers and sisters, who have been helping to support this broadcast. You have sacrificed. I am so grateful. Some of you give $10. The smallest gift, I think, was $3 in dimes. Others of you, I'm praying, will give a large gift of $5,000. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I pray today you have decided in your heart that you will leave your sin and that you will seek holiness with all of your heart. God bless you. I love you. Jesus loves you. I'll talk to you soon. Of his glory.